the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It's got minutes after 4. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL, WFIL.com, and perhaps on the app. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. We appreciate you tuning in today. Forecast, beautiful. Mix of clouds and sun, high 70. Some clouds tonight, low 49. On the cloudy side, few showers likely tomorrow, high of 68. 540 Bibles down, that's good news. 1,660 to go in our partnership with Bible Week. If you want to help out, they're just $5 a piece. Send them to Asia, where the gospel is growing the fastest, but only one person in 10 has a Bible. 1-800-YES-WORD to help out. 1-800-937-9673 or WFIL.com. We have a very special guest this hour chatting about a book called Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. His name is Pierce Brantley. Pierce, thank you for taking time to join us. How are you doing, man? Hey, Tim. It's great to hear from you. I'm doing well. Excellent. We had this book out we want to chat about, Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. Before we get into the book, there's actually in the acknowledgments a question I have for you. It says, to my mother... Thank you for baseboards, baskets of laundry, and for bringing me books at an early age. So before anything happens, I think mom needs some credit here, more officially. Mom does need some credit, uh, for sure. You know, my mother kind of instilled in me from a young age the the value of, of worth ethic, the value of sticking um, to things even when you don't want to necessarily finish them. And that actually, that reference to baseboards, uh, so we had this fun, maybe sort of odd job that we started actually doing as young kids, which was cleaning the baseboards in our living room. And, uh, you know, oftentimes you might think of something like that as sort of a, a disciplinary sort of task. Yeah, but right. It was actually one of the ways that uh, I actually kind of learned to, you know, see something out in terms of process my role in terms of, you know, the greater community and really just kind of uh, stick with something until it's finished. So I have heard a thing for that in, in many, many ways. That's great. That's great. I was wondering what the baseboards part, the laundry sounded uh, familiar. My mom used to stay up late at night folding and have, have baskets of laundry on her lap watching a little TV. And my dad would go to bed mm-hmm. a few hours earlier, but she'd stay up till it got done, that part of it. And the books part too, I guess it's fairly self-explanatory. Your mom would, would just introduce you to the love of reading from a young age. She did, yeah. So she put into us a, a love of reading from a very, very young age. She read to us uh, when we were kids, and then, you know, I, I always kind of had a, a propensity, I guess you could say, for the literary arts. So that was kind of where that all started. But there was actually nine kids. Last time I counted, there was nine kids, all from my mother and my father in our family. And so Whoa. work and community and finding something that we could all get involved in was, you know, something that was just part of our DNA from a really young age. So that's, that's kind of where all those different sort of activities rolled up into one. And we have her to thank for that. That's great. Well, Pierce Brantley, our guest, again, the book is called Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. And uh, as I read through the book, I, I started to take notes and then I decided to just write down 
and or copy and paste a like a, a chunk of things so we could read a few sentences and let you comment on them because you know I thought that might be an easier way of helping explain the book a little bit too if that's good with you. Um, How fun! Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, in the in the introduction, you start off in a in a, a peaking the interest way where it says there's a secret to work that most Christian men haven't discovered. Paul knew the secret, Elijah and David too, but most men never discover it. Many men can identify the itch, but they simply can't scratch it. And then you go on and talk about take courage. You're about to learn how to work in and through your calling, which you will find within the working day. Uh, so share about those, those little tease there and, and where the book winds up, you know, you're pointing people to where you're going to head with the book. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the main things that these guys figured out early on is that there aren't, for most of us, uh, mountaintop moments wherein we kind of get a download from God about what we're supposed to do from the rest of our life, and everything from there is downhill. And oftentimes, that's what we do subconsciously when we approach calling. You know, we kind of go through life in the hopes that God picks us, so to speak. Yeah. And from that point on, everything else is going to be clear, you know, and we're going to be riding off into the sunset up until the point we go and meet our Maker. Well, oftentimes, I would say, if not 100% of the time, that doesn't happen. What's actually happened is all of us, once we're in Christ, are called. And maybe perhaps that's a little bit obvious, but the reality is is that once once we're in Christ, we're a new creation, we're headed down a path of good works. You know, the Bible says He's predestined good works in advance for us to do. But the fun part of that is is, is realizing that we can actually start that right now within the job that we're actually in. In fact, it's actually important that we don't wait for that moment to come, that we start treating the day as if we are living from that position of calling. And when we do that, that's the secret. That's when the incredible stuff starts to unlock. That's when these stories, these uh, biblical proportions, start to uh, unwrap and start to become part of just who we are and the life we live. Part of what you add there also, the goodness of God has practical nine-to-five implications for every man who wants to know what it looks like to live in partnership with the Lord, as opposed to being a separate part of the day where your work day is one thing and your God time is another time or something like that, that it really, in and through your your work day, we can, we can get into it as, as time goes on, but that, that struck me as well. Yes, you know, the funny thing, and I, 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 I have so much, you know, uh, care for for guys that go out and work hard for the families you know uh i've been one of those guys what happens oftentimes is because we are told the best thing you can do is you know provide for your family keep a roof over your heads you know keep the ball rolling that's a lot of pressure and some of that's healthy pressure some of it before we know it you know 10 years 20 years can go down the line and we look back on our lives and we realize oh man I've been just trying to keep, you know, the ball rolling for this amount of time and haven't really taken time to look back and say, you know, is this, am I actually in lockstep with what it is, you know, I want to both be doing with my life and what God would want me to be doing in my life. And God understands that too. God understands that, you know, these are the pressures that we live with. What I'd say to that is, you know, oftentimes because we get so involved in our work and think of our work as providing Oftentimes, we will segregate ministry time or segregate, you know, the idea of working with God to things that are revolved around just the church. So, you know, ministry on Sunday mornings, mission trips, opportunities to serve, 
in the community. And those are all really, really good things. But because of maybe the way our culture has set up things or because of our need to, you know, just keep things moving, what happens is we begin to segregate mentally the idea that God could actually participate with us during the working day. And so it's an opportunity for us to readjust and say, God, you have given me 40 hours, maybe 60 plus for some of us, that is ripe and ready for you to to work with me and and just ask you know begin to ponder begin to imagine the question what could happen if all of a sudden this time I was a covert agent I was beginning to work alongside the God to you know really see the scaffolding of kingdom work all around me and begin to participate with Him in the good work He's doing all around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and you get into that, folks. Just tuning in, it's Pierce Brantley in the book "Calling: Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work" on the Tim DeMoss Show and WFL here in Philadelphia. You actually say on page twenty-seven, your vocation is one of the main centers where God wants to do His work. He puts you in that job on purpose. He puts you in that department on purpose. He puts you on that crew next to that one guy or that one chief by design. Strategically, imagine if God had complete control of you in that place of work. Imagine if He had total access to speak and work through you on the job. Just picture that for a minute. That's where we're going you know, with this book. That theme of intentionality and believing and focusing on your responsibilities and that there's not wasted time because you're not in something you love to do necessarily. There, there's some things you have to unlearn. Like You really want to be continually, and the message I, I took from the book is aligning yourself with, with what God's Word has to say. So everywhere you're going, whether it's a dream job, a job you don't like at all, how much money you make, or status or not status, or Whatever it is, you want to keep, as you said, the word lockstep is a good one, right? So that you don't feel like any moment is, is wasted at all, and you're, just, you're killing time until something more obviously glorious comes along. That's right. That's right. So I, you know, I'll tell you this story real quick. When I was in my early 20s, I was doing ministry, and I transitioned out of ministry to you know, go start my career and everything and begin to figure out what you know, I wanted to do outside of that. And in that time, I needed a job. I was maybe 23 years old at the time, and I had no opportunities in front of me. And I said, you know, Lord, it, you, you said that, you know, when we ask red, you don't give us rocks. So the reality is I'm going to be sleeping on the rocks if I don't get a job here soon. I need some help. And so I prayed, and I asked God for help with getting a job. Didn't have a lot of skill set outside of a ministry skill set, but knew kind of a trajectory of, of where I wanted to go. Well, I'm hanging out with some colleagues uh, the next day, and uh, a guy comes in who I haven't seen in three months, some three months. He walks in. He's not there to see me. He's there to go do something else. Turns is as if he got struck by something, looks directly in my eyes and goes, Pierce, do you need a job? And I said, of course. Yeah. I said, actually, I do need a job. He said, give me one minute. And he gets on the phone. He goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, the anticipation is building. I don't think I'd breathe for some five minutes. Puts his phone on his chest and goes, can you start tomorrow? And I go, absolutely, I can start tomorrow. The surprise on my face probably looked like my, you know, my mouth hit the ground. And so I started this job. Now, the job was not sexy. It was not exciting. It was not something that, you know, it was my ideal sort of job. But what I knew was that God had provided for me, and he was setting me on a path. And as I stewarded that path, as I was present to those moments in that job, it was construction work, actually. I was working on the top of skyscrapers, filling cracks that if I was present to that work, prayerfully in that work, did it with a heart to serve, that that would open up new opportunity. And so oftentimes, because we actually discount our own jobs as not being worthy of God to participate 
in them um, or not really being what is our ideal job or what we really want to do, because we actually discount it mentally, it's hard for us to actually interact with the Holy Spirit and be present to what He could want to be do because we've already said, you know, it's not actually that valuable. And that's actually really key because anything that is given to the Lord will be transformed. The Bible talks about this. If everything will go to glory to glory, if, you know, we participate in that act of, that act of sanctification. So, you know, fast forward here, you know, nearly 10 years later, and I'm actually working in the tops of many of those buildings as I'm doing consulting and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's all about being present and willing to let the Lord help you and realize that everything that He gives us, including our work, is a gift. Pierce Brantley is our guest, calling Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work uh, is our uh, book we're chatting about. We'll take a quick break, keep going with our conversation. If you want to win a copy, text in to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Just put your name and the word calling in there. We'll know what you're texting about. Back in a moment. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It's 417, Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Pierce Brantley is our guest, author of Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. As you just spoke there, there's a verse that comes to mind that I often share with folks, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, where it says, Stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in him is never in vain. And so, no matter, oh you know, no matter where you are, whatever you're doing, just run it up the flagpole. Am I, as this is unto you, Lord, then you're going to take it and use it however you see fit. I don't have to understand it. The only thing I have to zero in on is, am I working at what's right in front of me as unto you? And if that's the case, I don't have to worry that I'm wasting a single second of my life. So, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's so good. I, I talked to someone here just re- recently. We were talking about, you know, that content of around that verse. And, you know, she helps actually in the recording world now, but she coaches. She coaches people who've never recorded before and into, like, how to record and get their voices correct and all of that kind of stuff. Amazing woman. Well, she started out as a teacher, and she had no idea that that skill set the Lord was preparing her for actually working in the faith-based industry for recording. But if she hadn't been present to that, who knows what could have happened down the line. That's so, so, so good. Hmm. And you know what? As you, also, in your book, Pierce, you write, uh, and I think it, uh, this theme keeps coming back in, over and over again, reaffirming each individual, I think, who will read your book, that they matter, that they're important in God's eyes, and that uh, they have a specific mission, not like it's a, a secret mission like in, in, this, in a weird way or something, but just like, hey, God gave you life and breath. And he has purpose for you and, and it may keep changing, like where you're going, what you're doing, but lock in with him. Um, and the first step you say on page 32 is the first way we submit to the potter's hand is to take personal ownership of the day he's given us. Start by being present. In this way, you actively agree with him that the day is ready to be filled with the outpouring of his spirit through the vessel of your life. Being expectant that he will fulfill his promises starts in the morning. Just that like, okay, what do I have in my hands? What do I have available to me? Well, I have my attitude and my readiness. And, you know, you bring that through the book often and often. Check yourself, right? And Check yourself. Right. <laughs> so I love that. You know, I think so often we think if we just kind of clock in and, you know, we can, and we can put the badge, you know, uh, you know, on our chest at the end of the day, it says, you know, I worked hard. And, you know, no one can fault me for working hard. That's a really kind of easy thing to default to. Then, then we're good. Well, it might be good in terms of being able to receive a paycheck with integrity, but if we want to actually see our lives transform into this overflow of 
of ministry and testimony and story and this fulfillment, knowing that every single day I am living in this this incredible thing called life that God has given us to to enjoy Him and to be about His work and to have a life full of, of calling and testimony, well, then we have to transfer a little bit. And like you said, I, I love the way you said it, that, you know, it is about kind of showing up and, 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 and there being ownership, but it's about more than just the hard work. We actually have to move into good work, which is a whole other type of mindset, which is, okay, yes, I'm going to be present to the job. Yes, I'm going to be present to the work. I'm going to do my best by my employer, my colleagues, and my customers, clients, whatever. But there's something else, which is good work. There's this idea that God is doing something in the undercurrent of our jobs and the undercurrent of our souls and those around us. And if we can awaken to that and we can be present to those things and see opportunity for ministry or for working alongside God, well, then there's a lot of practicals to that, but that is when the good stuff happens. That's that's when the stuff really, you know, begins to, you know, add joy and abundance to our lives that we're looking for and that we often feel disconnected from, you know, within our work. Pierce Brantley is our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL today. Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work is his new book. In Chapter 2, there's a part where you, you, you tell a story about being in a pretty tough place, uh, contemplating suicide, being in depression. And, and yet what happened in, in the days that followed there, and there's a point kind of on the back end of that about ownership. Do you mind telling that story a little bit about the job interview that you had? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was one of the hardest points in my life. I was making around, I think, $200 a week was about all I could squeeze out of, of the week. I was really, really, really struggling. I had wrecked my car. I had uh, gotten some red light tickets that I couldn't afford to pay. And then I had also, my phone had died a couple times. And it was just a really kind of dark, dark place, all while knowing that God had called me to more. I, you know, I, again, you, if you trust his word and you trust that what he says is true, well, then you know there's promise beyond, you know, beyond some of these dark points. So I prayed. And I prayed, you know, I think I actually had pills on the bed. And I I prayed and said, God, you know, if you can put me on a team again, if you can move me out of this place, that would really be helpful. It was a prayer of desperation. Well, the next day, or within, I think it was actually, uh, forgive me, I I won't be honest, it was within three days, uh, someone called me, they reached out to me, and they said, Pierce, there's this opportunity that could come up. Would you be interested in it? Well, of course I was interested in it. But I didn't necessarily know if I had everything it could take to ace the interview. And not only that, my laptop had just broken. So I had to MacGyver my laptop, open it up, splice it. I actually only had a butter knife to cut this thing open with. And it took about two hours to, to actually cut this thing open and get the wiring fixed and everything like that. I got it fixed, so that was square one. Well, then I didn't have Internet, so I had to go find a place with Internet. Got the Internet. Then was able to go download some ebooks, watch some YouTube videos, get caught up on my interview. I don't think I slept probably for those three days as I was just trying to get everything together. In fact, I still have the wrapped up power cord with duct tape and everything like that <laughs> as a reminder that God can carry us through things. Yeah. I ended up acing the interview. It was a job that I got again with, I, I think I said in the book that it was over the median income um, of, you know, a normal U.S. family. And then I got moved 
to uh, McKinney, Texas, which at that time was voted one, you know, one of the best places to live in the U.S. And not only that, I was surrounded with good Christian men who had run a very successful business uh, in, the, in the Christian entertainment and design industry. And I got to kind of see, you know, a side of the world that I never would have seen before. And not only that, it gave me an opportunity to develop a skill set to listening to the Lord. And so it was a reminder that God always provides, and two, that when He provides an opportunity for us, when, he, when it is Him doing the work, well, we need to really pay attention to the details and the outer edges of that promise and why he did that, and not only be grateful for it, but understand why. So I was present to that moment. I was present to that season of work, and it opened it up an entire career for me beyond that, yeah. all because I recognized that it was him moving me into something and not my own work. Even though from the outside perspective, it just looked like a lot of hustle. It's never just about our hustle. It's about what God is doing alongside us and that partnership aspect of what he's doing in our lives. Pierce Brantley is our guest. Calling Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work is the book that we're chatting about. And if you want to win a copy, simply send me a quick text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Put your name in there and the word calling will put you in the drawing. Back with more in a moment on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 428 in the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. A mix of clouds and sun, the balance of the afternoon. High 70, low 49 tonight. Tomorrow on the cloudy side, few showers likely. High 68. Chatting with uh, Pierce Brantley today. Calling, awaken to the purpose of your work is the name of the book. There's a scripture verse at the beginning of each chapter and a prayer at the end of each chapter. And at the, I think at the beginning of this chapter, we're talking about chapter two, the strength and the will. There's a story about Gideon. I mean, you're talking about Gideon and how God did call him. And he's like, his response was, was fear. And, but what, but, and he also was kind of, I forget the nickname you had for him, but he really was mama's boy or something. He really wasn't going anywhere. Right. He wasn't like Mr. (laughs) Right. Uh, Mr. Achievement. And yet he did step out and how God provided. And I think your point in that was that you had gone in the strength you had with all those things you needed to do to get your laptop prepared, find the internet and crash course study. But the result was in the hands of the Almighty. Can a man take credit for the drive or work ethic he has been given? And to not make the mistake of thinking, yeah, I did do that, didn't I? And, and I think the bigger point was how can you steward the opportunities and that whole idea of it start, starts with ownership. And the reason why I drive this point home personally, I really feel very strongly to encourage people to think it, it's easy to talk in generalities and in groups and those people and these people and Christians, even people. Even saying Christians sometimes like it's a there's millions of them. Like, what are you? Why are you talking about millions of people at a time? Like, talk about one like you. And, Mm. you know, so but the idea of be encouraged to take ownership of what you have right in front of you. And you mentioned in there uh, something in the next chapter and the urgency and the opportunity along those lines. What's under your trust at work that could be improved? Which organizational system or process needs to be built in a better way? What can you take ownership of? That would further the organization's goals. Look for unknown opportunity in your workplace. You'll find meaning in your work as you take responsibility for its success. And that intentionality, again, comes into play. It's part of um, the, the story where you're, you're mentioning the Queen of Sheba visiting Solomon. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So often we see the stuff around us, you know, the projects, the people, the, we could say the mundane as being devoid of the possibility of God being able to do something 
with them. And yeah, yeah, you look at the story of Gideon, and he was doing nothing. In fact, even when God called him to it, he goes, uh, I think you made a mistake. And I think you probably made a mistake with my history. And uh, don't you realize no one in my life is following God? I, I'm going to, you know, check, please. I'm going to cash out. And God says, no, just go on the strength you have, which is interesting because Gideon, at that time, you know, hiding in a well, uh, or sorry, hiding in a, in a, in a, uh, in a wine cellar, while wow, he's like we're basically baking brownies, uh, is like, you know, I can't do any of this. And you guys like, actually, in this moment, I see you as being capable to be a general, and the Lord of the Angel Armies is, you know, willing to talk to you about, you know, bringing you into this. So the call was always there. He had to just step up, and he was perfectly equipped to already do that work, even in that position and that feeling of, of fear. And there's so many things during the day that because we discount either ourselves or because of the work in front of us, we don't actually think that there's anything good could come of it. And like you said, we can dream of wanting to help millions of people or wanting to change the world or wanting to, you know, have this life full of, you know, a banner type calling. But the book really encourages people to actually dream of the mundane. The hand of God was really on something as, you know, perhaps as boring as a spreadsheet or digging a ditch or, you know, something like that. If God could transform, and if we believe God can transform anything, then talk about the full possibility that is there. We talk about this really cool verse uh, with Paul, and Paul is writing, and he's in jail, and he's like, I actually shake. He said, my, uh, yeah, he said, I actually shake with the power of God that is moving through me in order to like accomplish his will. And you can almost just get this sense of his pen quivering and him not being able to contain. He says he can hardly contain this holy energy that is that is within him. And he was in a jail cell, right? So how much more opportunity and agency do we have than Paul? Yes. We actually have more. And by being present to that and by realizing that and by giving God these moments of the day that don't feel like they have any value and believing that he has equipped us, that is when we begin to see this amazing fruit of calling, this fruition come out into our lives, and really good things begin to happen. There are eleven, I think, eleven chapters in your book, Pierce, and um, I, you know, I took notes on, on pretty much every one, and I had just again written some thoughts out, uh, and you know, we won't have time to go through every single one, but I know near the end of chapter three, you wrote, "The opportunity we have as Christian men is to look out over the world and see it as Jesus does, as a field ready for harvest." John four thirty five, God sees humanity, including that portion you interact with at your job, as being full of potential. He has strategically set you in this time and place not to mention this place of employment for uh, just a time, such time as this. One thing the sobering reality of Jesus' return may do is clarify for us what's important. It ought to give us a clear sense of what's useless, hamster wheel work, and what's all that will endure. How much time do we have to tell our family, friends, and coworkers about Christ before it's too late? The, the, this awareness of our finite opportunity to share the good news ought to give our jobs, whatever they are, a new urgency. Talk about finding meaning in your work. This urgency will lead us to manifest him throughout our workday. It's a great way to remind people again of that in the moment, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I drove for Lyft for nine months. I've shared this in the air before. And every single ride is, is exactly what you just said, especially because you know you're probably never going to see that person again. I didn't feel stressed. Oh. Like I had to share the gospel before the ride was over, but I think I felt, I felt freer to share. And I tend to be more relational. So to have a 12-minute a, a ride with someone I just would pray, if, Lord, I'd pray for the person's salvation. 
you know, as in my head for each rider. So I knew that happened. I want to make sure they got their ride because that's what they're paying me for. Um, mm. Right. But then also like, and then it was amazing how many different ways God would bring th- something up. And it was because of that accelerated, there was actually a sadness in me after a number of rides, like as, as interesting as a ride could be, you're never going to see him again. And that, that led me to want to pray for each person um, for their, for, you know, for them to know the Lord. And then, um, to have a heightened awareness of Lord, if, you, if there's something we could talk about during this ride, and there were so many, because people are hungry, and, and to have your eyes open, because other people could look at Lyft driving like, oh, that's like that got you from point A to point B, so between until you got a real job. It's like I think it was the most of all the years I've done radio, probably the most interesting thing I've ever done. Uh, 2,500 rides, I could tell you about all kinds of rides because my eyes were open because God allowed me to be thinking that way, and, and and it doesn't matter. You have to be a Lyft driver to do that. You could be wherever you are, have those eyes. And uh, you, you'd really drive that home in chapter three there. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I love that story, Tim. I, the, to me, there is nothing better that encapsulates the entire theme of that chapter than that story, because you're absolutely right. You know, even if we don't necessarily feel urgent about the work, we can feel urgent about the Great Commission or the good that God is doing in the world. And when we take that perspective, that higher perspective, and let it come down into our work, into, you know, these interactions with people. I love the example of working with, you know, uh, people who are getting rides and lift because it's such a perfect opportunity. Um, but that's, that's when it happens. You know, someone who works at McDonald's can have just as much, if not more, opportunity than someone, you know, than the pastor of a megachurch, if the present to actually what God is doing. Right. I had a friend who moved out of a decade of ministry here recently, and he calls me up and goes, Pierce, He's working, uh, granted, for God's restaurant. He's working for Chick-fil-A, he's a director. <laughs> right. But he, he goes, Pierce, I have been working with, he was an international director. He said, I've been doing ministry on a grand level for so long. I almost feel depressed. I mean, I'm, I'm serving chicken now. What am I supposed to do with that? And, uh, in fact, he almost got into a place of condemnation. Well, well, maybe, you know, I've missed the boat. You know, is this what, if this is where I've ended up after 10 years, maybe I've done something wrong. Hmm. And I encouraged them, and I just said, you know, how many people do you have to interact with in a morning rush for doing chicken sandwiches that well? You know, it's at least 75, but we have these goals that we have to meet. I said, so you're telling me you are probably going to meet 100 unique people, not to mention the staff you have to oversee every single day. And he's like, yeah. I said, you have more opportunity for ministry now than you had before. You like you have way, way more points to encourage people, to pray over people, to try and get a sense of what the Lord is wanting to do in people's lives. You've been opened up into opportunity, but it was a shift of perspective for him, and it, he never he never seen it that way. Yeah. And from that, he's seen a lot of a lot of lot of good. But that's that's how it goes, right? If we can be urgent about the work of God, then that work of God will find itself in anything we're doing. Yeah. Pierce Brantley, our guest, calling Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work is the book. If you want to win a copy, send me a quick text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Quick break. We'll keep our chat going in just a second on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 440 on the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Thank you for listening in today. We're chatting with Pierce Brantley, author of the book, Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. Over and over throughout the book, you do kind of remind folks of what the bigger perspective uh, should be and how much 
God doesn't uh, say get, gets the credit, but really it does. Like, and how all the even the good things we have, our abilities, everything in the first place came from Him. So let's not make it like uh, we're peanut butter, he's jelly. Together we're a great team. It's like no, he's the peanut butter and the jelly, and we get to be in, <laughs> in the sandwich, right? But uh, that's a good analogy or not? But in the next chapter, you give a great example of that with the uh, the consulting, the packaging company. You, you tell that story because it's actually a two parter, right? How the the wall you hit initially. This the solving, and then what came after that when you got a call like a month later? Oh, yes. I love that story. So I was in uh, kind of the North Chicago area working with a fantastic packaging company. They actually created most of the stuff that we, that we eat during the day, so that was fun to get to see all of that. But they had kind of hit a, a type of roadblock, and that roadblock was the market was shifting and uh, how they were going about sales needed to evolve a little bit. Plus, it was kind of a missions-oriented uh, aspect to what they actually wanted wanted to do and their work. And we were in gridlock. It was a gridlock of personality. It was a gridlock of business process. So if you've ever been in a moment like that, it doesn't have to be in a boardroom, you know that tensions can start to rise because that natural frustration just sort of comes up in people. And so I begin to pray silently. I call this active listening um, uh, I begin to pray and I begin to ask the Lord, you know, what he would do in order to kind of uh, break out of this gridlock. How could we get the traffic of thought moving again? And instantly, um, I got in this picture of all of the pillars of the business, how it would make sense for people to understand those pillars and walk through the, the natural flow of, of business and of, of actually working together with their company. And then I saw it in terms of process, meaning how did these all, all these parts work together? And I had known the business, you know, from Adam. I just kind of interacted with them for the last two days. But I asked for the, the whiteboard marker, which is always dangerous to ask for the whiteboard marker. I go up, and I begin to sketch it out. And, you know, I'm just taking a risk here. And I'm like, you know what? The worst that I can do is that it, it'll, it'll fail and they'll hate it. It's not that big of a deal. So I write it all out. And immediately, again, it brought clarity to the room. It was because I have, a, I have an analytical mind. But God had given me the right answer. And so in that moment, everything became clear, and the communication channels were opened back up again. And we actually used that exact process to help them in the way they communicated and, uh, and pick that into their, their, uh, their, their mission-oriented business. So I thought I was done. You know, I was just happy to get us out of gridlock and get and happy to find resolution for the work that we were there to do. Right. What was cool, though, like you said, about a month later, the CEO of the company calls up uh, and says, hey, you know what? This is actually open up opportunity for us that we never would have had otherwise. And it was with you know, some very, very large you know, uh, uh, food manufacturing companies that everyone would know in the industry. And it was a great opportunity for them to scale their business, to talk about people in the right way. And that never would have happened if we actually hadn't inquired of the Lord. And so that's actually really important. The Lord always has a mind for us and has an idea in mind of what could happen. He has a greater good that he wants to work towards. And that's what is, you know, uh, we talked about urgency just a few minutes ago. There's a sense of, oh my gosh, there is an undercurrent of opportunity that I'm not even aware of, but if I could just if I could just slow down internally and begin to ask, Lord, what would you do in this situation? Oh my gosh. Talk about having a relationship with God. I mean, that, that it's, it's fun. It's not only fun, but you realize, Oh my goodness, he's made me in such a way to be able to, to partner with him. 
and I have all of this opportunity in front of me. Uh, and it, he is the one doing the work. Obviously, the idea was his idea. I don't say that flippantly or sound Christian. It was his idea. I took his idea, his idea about what would uh, what would break the gridlock. You know, we're supposed to work peaceably with everyone. Uh, and uh, and then I used that in order to accomplish good for the company. And so there was an overflow of good works that happened because of it and testimony in my own life as well. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're right in here. On one level, I was very pleased and not a little amazed that everything that had come to fruition. But on the other hand, I come to understand such things are no big deal for the Almighty. This kind of partnership with God is normal and even to be expected when you work in your anointing, which is the name, name of the chapter, the knowledge and the anointing. Although for you, partnership through anointing may look different. Anointing is a custom-fit gift from Christ. And uh, at the back end, you say, this is the atmosphere of, of anointing. It lets you focus on your work without having to worry about how it will get done. That's God's part. That's right. Yeah, it is It is all God's work in us. And there's some really other cool stories in, in that chapter as well, of yep. examples in the Bible of people working from, from their anointing. Um, the reality is that God gives you talent, and then he expands upon that talent in order to do good work. And that's actually where fulfillment comes from, that sense of, oh, this is what I'm made for. Okay, I'm working in the giftings that God has given me. And it doesn't matter. You can be at any job, with any boss, any place in life. You, you will begin to see that happen. Pierce Brantley, our guest, calling. Awaken to the purpose of your work is the book. We'll keep our chat going here in just a second on WFIL. Thanks for listening in this afternoon. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL. Email Timmy. D at WFIL.com. 448 in the Tim DeMoss Show. Pierce Brantley calling. Awakening to the Purpose of Your Work is the book we're chatting about today. Chapter 7, you talk about starting a forest fire and thought maybe that would be appropriate to share if you don't mind. <laughs> the plan <laughs> and the purpose. Yeah, the plan and the purpose. So I started the forest fire at the ripe old age of, of 18. So in East Texas, we do this thing called brush... Uh, fire burning, which is where I grew up. I grew up out in the boondocks, which we could talk about for hours. And we had this really large garden, obviously had a few nine kids. And we had to uh, burn out all of the, the weeds and the dead brush from the year before. At the time, I was young, but I was thinking, all right, you know, how can I get this done as, as quickly as possible? So I go about and I, you know, I water the perimeter of this large, large garden. It was about a uh, Oh gosh, about a half an acre. Um, watered it once, watered it twice, watered it three times, and so it's a biblical number, right? I must be done because it's it's sanctified. And so every time, single time I passed this one point in the garden, I would get kind of this—I'll uh, call it an internal nudge—which I learned over time to you know be the Holy Spirit. Every single time I passed it, I would go, "Why does this matter? There's nothing wrong with this." And every single time I passed it again, you'd be like, you need to water that again. I'm not going to water it again. I'm going to water it again. Well, I had watered a three-foot perimeter around this garden three times. It should be perfect. The water was soaked. I mean, literally soaked. It took a while to do this work. And, you know, my arrogant 18-year-old mind that, you know, I've done a good job, set the garden on fire. The garden goes up in a gulf of flames. I'm talking 15-foot flames. And at first, everything looks fine. You know, everything is self-contained. Obviously, you know, I, I'm, I know more than that much. You know, it would call, chalk it up to the Texas heat or something. Yes. Well, it breaks out of the garden, 
almost all at once under, by going underneath the grass. And I find this out because there were six fire trucks that showed up later, and the, you know, the fire burned for two days. No one was hurt, by the grace of God. But they said, oh, yeah, this is a common thing. When it's hot like this and when the grass is overgrown, you know, it'll go underneath the grass and it'll burn through. Uh, there's no way you could have known that, but this is, you know, this is pretty common. Wow. Well, the Holy Spirit knew that, and he was trying to instruct me to, you know, pay attention to these details that by my own, you know, you know, my own understanding were negligible. And so it was a real teaching moment for me because oftentimes in life, you know, we think we have a certain sense of where to go, what to do, and how to go about doing it. And the truth is we might, but there, the reality is, is that God knows things that we don't know, and he actually wants to help us avoid those, you know, those pitfalls. And so that opportunity was really just kind of a, a, a learning lesson. It could have been much worse. It's a fun story now um, that it's important to actually inquire of the Lord about the things we're doing during the day because he sees things we don't see, and he has an understanding about things that we would otherwise not understand. Um, and that's really important, too. The Bible says, you know, listen, I will give you wisdom I'll give it to you generously and without reproach. And some versions of the Bible actually say without repentance, which means anything you want to know about anything, God will give you wisdom for. If you inquire, if you get quiet before him, he will help you in your work. And so, you know, that was just a really cool example of that. And uh, it's definitely stuck with me the, the rest of my life. No uh, fire since then, though, thankfully. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and how about your neighbor? I think you said his property got set on fire, too. Yeah, his, his yard got <laughs> set on fire. And the funny thing about it was he was a fireman. Thankfully, he was not there. I kid you not. We did have six fire trucks from two, three different counties. Wow. And it burned for for two days. Um, by the grace of God, it was just one big uh, Sunday school lesson. Um, and no, no permanent damage. But yeah, that was pretty funny. Pierce Brantley has been our guest. The book is called Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. And just want to wrap up with uh, one or two things near the end of your book. In Chapter 9, The Posture and the Pavement, you talk about... Uh, humility, quite a bit. Consider uh, Proverbs twenty-two four. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor in life. And then you go on to say, you have nothing that you have not first been given to steward. You have no talent that wasn't tallied before you were born, no leadership that wasn't lent to you for a limited time. So in this sense, it pays to develop humility. There were billions of men before you, maybe billions after. How can any man lay claim to an accomplishment in his life as if it were earned on his own? It's all the kindness from your king. To claim it otherwise is not only untrue, it's a deviation from the fear of the Lord. I love that, that verse you mentioned. So that humility is the fear of the Lord. So if you've ever wondered, okay, how do I actually approach God rightly in everything I do? It actually is humility. And as we approach the Lord in humility, we are actually approaching him with what is parallel to being in the fear of the Lord. And its rewards are, you know, uh, endless, as, as that, that verse says. I grew up in, in very adverse poverty. Um, I talk, I think, in that chapter about having to live uh, in an oil tank, and that was partially by choice. My family lived in a barn. It was a concrete barn, completely exposed to the elements, and this oil tank was even even more so. No electricity, no running water, three digits in the summer, worse than that in the winter. But I actually, in that moment, uh, or in that time, began to learn about graphic design. I saved up 
working extremely hard to buy a computer and begin to teach myself, you know, design skills as a, as a young teenager. I could have wished for a lot of different things for, you know, myself if I had wanted to, or for anyone for that matter. But I saw it as an opportunity. In some ways, the, the obvious struggle was meaningless. It was, it was to be disregarded. If Christ, you know, thought that the, the cross was, you know, scornful and went to that, you know, how much more so for me to actually see the, the situation I'm in as an opportunity to work with, with the Lord. And so I, I treated it in that way. It's so easy. The enemy can give us discontentment about our work uh, and think, you know, I deserve better than this. Well, what do you what do you mean you deserve better than this? I mean, we can all wish to be treated in different ways, I suppose, but we've been given a, a mission field to be a part of, and really, there is no circumstance that God cannot use in our lives to bring about good, both for ourselves and for others, and to get to know Him better. Humility is so important. We need to be low. We need to. We need our hearts to be in a parasitic position every single day before the God, recognizing that every day that He's given us in our work is a gift. And in that sense, the world is the, the, our day job is ripe with opportunity, as ripe as any day could be with opportunity in order to accomplish His ends. And that requires respect. It requires a sense of thank you, Father. Thank you so much for giving me this job. Thank you so much for giving me this agency to be a part of the good that you're working towards. I wouldn't have this without you. My credentials don't mean anything. You gave me my talent, my work ethic, my education, the parenting that I've been under, the people that you've raised up around me, my leadership. There's nothing in my life that I could claim to that you haven't actually given me. And so you walk in that humility because it's healthy, one, but two, because it helps us stay in the position of being open to what God could do during the day. I love it. I love it. And you, and you talk about that near the end of uh, chapter nine. Um, for your part, never graduate from a face down posture before the Lord. Say instead with the angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. From Isaiah 6, 3, the song of your heart should mm-hmm. be humble. A humble hymn on repeat. I will not presume on the Lord. His grace is, however abundant, are just that, His graces. I'll give you listeners with a, a practical tip there. You know, oftentimes we look at, at folks that are obviously excelling in their calling, and it could be in a vocational ministry or it could be otherwise, and we wonder, man, how in the world did, you know, that, that man or woman get to that position? I wish I could be doing that. So awesome that God has cherry-picked them, you know, and put them in that role yeah. and given them, endowed them with so much success or, or just, you know, platform to speak or to talk. The truth is the only difference between you and between them is not the reality of calling, because you're both called. It's the moment-by-moment stewardship, day-by-day, hour-by-hour, job-by-job, task-by-task. And as you do that, there is a slow momentum that moves you forward. The cover of the book is actually of a big year and a little year. It's a timing chain. And work and calling are like that. As you work unto the Lord, it begins to move your calling. And as you begin to accelerate your calling, it begins then to 
move you work. And those two things begin to work together in order to, you know, have a rhythm of, of, you know, spiritual value. Humility is important to that because if you think they're disconnected or you think you can kind of go off on your own way, well, then, you know, you're never going to see that synchronicity that other people are seeing because of, you know, the way they've approached their work in the Lord. Amen. Pierce, thank you for taking time. We're up against the clock here. The book, Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. Full podcast of our program up here in about the next hour, WFIL.com. Jim Maxson, Max 413 Ministries, leads in prayer next. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.